Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Last time on Dungeon Drunks, having defeated the Rot Demon and saved Carlton's ancestral home, the parties teleported back to the safety of Amphail. There they rest, catch up with Carlton's family, and finally head out and back towards Waterdeep. And as this chapter of their adventure comes to a close, and a new chapter begins, they come across two carts being besieged by fearsome beasts and decide to help. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM Lauren, aka Obocrazy. I have Pyramid because Pyramid makes me happy. This is their Curveball Summer Blonde Ale, which is delicious because most of Pyramid's stuff is, and it is the last of the mix-and-match six-pack that I bought, because uh, we, we've recorded a lot this week, and I've drank a fair amount of beer. But that's okay. It's made me happy. Bernie, what are you drinking tonight? Um, I am drinking something from Highland Brewing Company, which is in Asheville, North Carolina, and it is their Big Briar Tart Raspberry Ale, and I must say, it is mm. really, really good. Super good. Super, super. Yeah, raspberry sounds good. Mm-hmm. I'll have to check that out. And it is tart, which I like. I like it because sometimes beers are like, this is tart. And I'm like, no, you just, it's hoppy. Why don't you know the difference? But this is for real yeah, tart. Yeah, no, hoppy is not good, but tart is good. Travancore, do you have anything tart and or hoppy? Good people of Faerun, while I don't have anything that's tart or hoppy, what I have before you is a glass of Canada Dry ginger ale because there's a baby in the next room. There you go responsible men drink canada dry parenthood there you go (laughs) carlton are you a responsible man i guess but it's not canada dry once again i'm drinking an arnold palmer but this time it's by honest tea it's their organic half and half half tea half lemonade it's very good but i'm not drinking alone today earlier i was playing uh some DD at my friendly local game store and the tomb of annihilation mini blind box figures were out and i picked up a box and in the random box i've got a Sir Alistair Duke. Honey. <gasps> nice. So he will be appearing at wait, every wait, live wait. game from Hold now on. on. I didn't know that. I thought that you just made those up. Nope, that's part of uh they they put out new figures pretty much every time that they release new stuff. Um and that's one of the new ones. Yep, and you get four random, four random ones, and one of them was Alistair Duke, and I was so happy, I was like, ah! I thought the moderns were just like your brainchild. I didn't know they were like a thing that existed in the world of D and D. Well, your moderns are a little different than the thing that normally exists in the monster manual, manual, but no, there are a whole suite of moderns that if you, listeners at home, pick up the monster manual for 5th edition, you too can play with moderns. And they're fun, and I like them, and they make beep-boop noises. Jonathan, do you make beep-boop noises? <laughs> Sometimes. Because I'm Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Magimuscular, and tonight I have a Cuban Missile Crisis, which is whipped vodka, and uh, and in this case, cola. This cola is Diet Pepsi because it's a little bit better than some other colas. Also, tonight's fireball shot to be to be shot at the first instance of a fireball is dedicated to a Canadian friend of mine who was very instrumental in helping the live D and D show. At uh, at RTX, continue when I ventured into the crowd. Heather, 
aka Halo Dudette, this one's for you. Yay! Yay! Yay. I like Heather. Good choice. She's awesome. She is awesome. You know what isn't awesome? Owl bears. They're attacking this cart. You guys are helping. We can all roll initiative. I, I just must say, it really kills me when something so cute has to be so mean. <laughs> the owl bears are nasty. Have, They're nasty. Owl bear. Hold on. I well in the in the roll twenty, you can see owl bears. They're just like, look at them. They're adorable. Oh my god! I'm looking at all these drawings of owl bears, and I'm thinking, if only I had an owl bear. They this are my favorite creature. Wearing armor. Oh man, it's kind of wearing like a bra too. That's a little weird. Someone's well, well, now you're in a part of the internet I didn't want to be. I just in Google if, Images, if and that's a. Well, here we go. You could just look at the owlbears that are in the Roll20. Those are those are accurate 5th edition owlbears that you guys are fighting. That's one of the... Yeah, they're owlbears. It's like, I like that they're owlbears. And I understand that Dungeons & Dragons definitely came before Avatar, The Last Airbender. But I love that there is like that kind of crossover of like, let's have this one thing mixed with another. One of my favorite instances of that was when they were, they first went to the Earth King's uh, palace and they were staying there and they were like, this is a feast for the Earth King's bear. What? Mean like a, an owl bear? A, a, a dog bear? A whatever bear? Like all these meshes of bears that they have in the Avatar verse. And Soka's like, no, it just says bear. Weird. I like Bear. that. I like that they're like, oh, normal things. All right, I need some initiatives. Give me Bernie. I got a two. You got two. Bernie's oh, dear. just gonna hang out and goo goo eyes at the owl bear. You're you're gonna go towards the end, which is very which is very appropriate for a cleric. Um, Shadow. Shadow got a eighteen. And Jonathan twenty. And Bucks. 18. Shadow and Bucks are going at the same time. That's kind of awesome. Hmm. Travancore. Hard 20. 25. Everyone drink. Oh, drink. Oh, drink. Drink. What's that thing I see that is not an owl bear, but... You d- don't really know what it is just yet. Carlton. I mean, the child who took Greek myth has a couple ideas. Uh, I got a 12 for initiative. That child is probably correct. Before we jump right back into initiative, since it's it's been a little bit since we played, I'll describe to you the scene. You guys were coming south along the long road. You saw some familiar carts, uh, one of them being familiar from your the last time you were on the long road. The second one looks a lot like the first one. None of them have horses attached, and they are all sealed up and closed. As you approach the carts, you could hear voices, uh, familiar voices of Bronwyn Dunn, inside one of the carts, the second cart to be exact, and that is when three, what you recognized as owl bears, came out of the woods. There is a fourth figure that is up in one of the trees near the the roadside, about 40 feet up in a tree, and you guys then had to roll some initiative, which we have done. I have placed you guys in general around the cart that you were inspecting, and Travancore... You get to go first. What would you like to do? All right. I see the owlbear that's closest to the cart that we suspect our friend Bronwyn is in. And I am going to Hunter's Mark that owlbear. I'm charging my flare bow. And I'm going to launch him with, uh, unless it's not a volley, since it's just one arrow. But uh, but a uni-arrowed volley of arrow. 
<laughs> okay. And so I'm assuming you mean this one that like bucks is the closest to? Correct. Okay. Go ahead and make your attack. Well, I'm <laughs> 28. That's a natural 20. Woo! Oh, nice. All right. It's going to be one of those we days. S- Drink. It's going to be one of those fights. If it's not obvious, yes, you hit this owl bear. Go ahead and, and roll all of the damage while I drink. You got it. All right, so double that damage, or double the dice, rather. Mm-hmm. It's going to be 17 from the arrow itself. Uh, <laughs> 11 fla- flare bow damage, a flaming damage, plus uh, nine from the hunter's mark. So 47? Yeah. So 47. So, Very so nice. Jack kills an owl bear. <laughs> No, but this owlbear, as it goes up in flames from this from this flaming arrow, as it comes around stalking you one moment, hale and hearty and looking very intimidating, and the next moment, practically dead, you hear it shriek in pain, and yeah, it is super unhappy. All right, Travancore is going to step back about uh, 15 feet uh, right behind Shadow. Okay, are you still on your horse? I am. Okay, and anything else? That'll do it. So, just for the record, the only person last time who got off his horse was Carlton. Me. All right. With that being said, Jonathan, what would you like to do? All right. Uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to hop off his horse. Okay. Uh, yep. Horse obediently trots off into the nearby woods to stay safe. Jonathan the Magimuscular has a conundrum. He can't quite fireball all of the owl bears, and he's wondering if he should distribute the damage to the owl bears and this manticore, or finish off this owl bear that's right here. Jonathan the Magimuscular is all about uh, kill stealing, so he's going to finish off the one there. He's going to put a fireball uh, in between the wounded owl bear and this weird flying lion snake uh, goat thing. No, if it was a snake, it'd be a chimera. It's uh oh, that's true. That's what I thought it was. At I'm going to airburst it. Uh, 20 feet up in the air. I- I'm sorry, what's the radius on on your fireball? A 20-foot radius. Yes, then it should hit both of them. So, kaboom! Uh, dexterity of 16. Uh, so that's an 11, I think that fails. And uh, 14? Also fails. All right. Uh, that is going to be 24 damage, because my el- elemental adept allows me to change those ones into twos. All right. Well, yes. So you do actually steal that kill. This owl bear does <sighs> die as it is still on fire from Trevancore's arrow and the fireball goes off. It bursts into flame and dies. And the creature in the woods, you hear screech in anger um, and it momentarily is set ablaze, but it is still up in the trees. Is there anything else you'd like to do? Uh, I am going to move uh, back next to Shadow. All right, you move a little bit away from everything, and it is Bucks's turn. Bucks is going to swing around. Uh, he's going to move back to around where Travancore is and look out for anything else. All right, go ahead and have him roll a perception check then. Oh wow, he is he is apparently uh, dazzled by the fireball and rolls an eight. He yeah he backs way up. He's in the process of moving where you'd like him to move, and it's kind of in the opposite direction of where all of the bad guys are, so uh, fortunately he doesn't see anything, so nothing's coming up behind you. Shadow, you it is also your turn. What, what would you like to do? Okay, Shadow I don't think he has enough movement to get to any... Well, hang on a second maybe. Let's do a little bit of the old math. He's going to try and get as close as he can to the owlbear all the way to the right near the other the, the empty uh, cart. Okay. Yeah, so he can he can get within 10 feet. You can either dash and get right next to it, 
Or if he would like to stay there and do something else on his action, he can do that. Um, yeah, I think he'll just, just dash you, I think. Just, I don't want to lose the turn, so I'm going to get right up next to him. Shadow. <laughs> Shadow is a very large bear, and this owl bear is, like, twice his size. Oh, shit. So, as Shadow runs towards this other creature and moves away from you guys, it's not just that he's getting farther away, it's he's getting closer to this beast, and you really see the size of this thing as Shadow... (sighs) Undeterred, though, your bear stands his ground. There is movement and sounds from within the cart, but nothing else happens. Carlton, it's your turn. Yeah, I can't get anywhere over there. But I can get to this guy. I'm going to come over to there. I'm going to start swinging at Owlbear McAlface. So you run up to the Owlbear that is on the left? Yeah, yeah, okay. i to the left. Uh, that's, I guess, a little bit closer to the wood tree line. I'm going to get a couple. Uh, you know what? Uh, these Owlbears are not as cute as I thought. And that kind of angers me and puts me into a rage. You hear Barney go, they're still cute. I know. <laughs> but these ones are mean. Doesn't make them less cute. Uh, so a couple swings at the halberd. Uh, 16 to hit. That definitely hits. Uh, do you need it separated or no for these things? Uh, for necrotic damage, in this case, no. Okay. Uh, then in total, it'll be 15 damage. Okay. All right, second swing. That's going to be a soft 20 to hit. Okay. And that's going to do... That'll do uh, 20 points of slashing and necrotic mixed together. All right. Yeah. And this owlbear screeches at you in pain, but he is still standing. And I'm good. All right. It is the owlbear's turn. Uh, The one that Carlton just slashed is going to move up and with an angry hoot, which I will attempt to do now. Please, please do. Hoot. (laughs) It should be like a roar. Sorry, I didn't catch that over Jonathan. It should be like a root. Vaguely Norwegian. You'll have to listen back for the audio on that one. I can only do so many. And something tells me you're going to be slashing it some more. All right. This owlbear uh, sidles up to Carlton. And once again, now that you've got some context, you see how big these creatures are. Uh, So first, it's going to try to beak at him. And that is going to be... That's a 24 versus AC. Yeah, 17 is the magic number. So that is going to be 14 piercing damage. And he's going to try to claw you. That's a 19 versus AC. 19 will hit. And that's 17 slashing damage. Okay, so that's another 8. The one next to Shadow is going to make a a similar attack against Shadow. That's a 23 versus AC on the beak. That'll hit. That's a 9 piercing damage. And then he's going to swing around his claw. That's an 18 versus AC. That'll also hit. And that's nine slashing damages. He, he can't quite nail Shadow the same way this other one was able to nail Carlton. Something about Small Bear is making this owl bear a little wary. Uh, and then the creature in the woods uh, that's sitting up in this tree, you see it move. You see it back up into a different tree about 10 feet back, but still about 40 feet up. It glares at Carlton and it brings around its tail. And those of you who have line of sight in it can see big, thick, long spikes on the end of its tail. And awesome. uh, you can just barely hear under overall the fighting. It says something under its breath. It's not growling. You actually hear speech of some sort. Is that's it a spell? Because. No, it's not a because spell. Because this is the creepiest fucking thing in the world and i have linked to you a more 
older and creepier drawing of what these supposed beasts look like, and I hate them so much. <laughs> so for, for context, since I haven't actually described what some of you can see, not all of you, because some of you don't have line of sight on this creature, uh, like Jonathan really does not. Uh, but Carlton and Bernie can see it. Uh, Shadow got a glimpse of it. Travancore, you you do not see it once you've moved back. It looks kind of like a lion, but big, thick claws, longer than a normal lion, uh, around a mane of spikes. It's got kind of a human-like face, huge dragon-shaped wings, and a tail that whips around and giant spikes come flying out of it. Three of them, actually. And they go sailing towards Carlton. Uh, first spike, 17. Uh, that matches. That's going to be eight piercing damage. Right, so four. Second spike is a natural 20. Yeah, that, 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 that'll definitely hit. 11 piercing damage. Right, so another five. And the final spike, I think, is going to miss uh, with a 14 versus AC. Ha ha! Jump out of the way. I saw, after the first two hit me, I learned my lesson. After you get nailed by two of these spikes, the third one just barely sinks into the ground next to you. And Bernie, it is your turn. Okay, uh, Bernie is going to cast Bane on on the owlbears and uh, the thing that we're not yet officially calling a manticore. Well, you know, Bernie could take a moment and, and like try to examine this creature As and figure out what action, it is. Bernie will do a perception check. No. That's not what it would be, uh, right? Sure, I'll make it free. Why not? Right, yeah. Bernie, Since you're just looking. Bernie's just taking a look, and I mean, she's already unhappy about what she sees. She's like, oh. Yeah, we'll call this a cursory glance. That's, that's an 11, which makes sense for a cursory glance. You're, you have a good sight on it, and it looks dangerous and nasty, and you are pretty sure that, yeah, it just spoke something. So it's more intelligent than you think, but you can't quite come up with a name for it. Um, can she call out to it? Sure. Hello? Hello, hello? in the tree. Person with the spike tail and the body of a lion and the face of a person? You see that it takes its gaze off of Carlton for just a moment and looks at you and grins a big toothy grin at you. Yeah, that's that's real nice right there what you got all those teeth. Um, what's your name? It does not answer. Uh, well, you kind of hit my friend and that's no bueno. <laughs> so <laughs> Bernie's going to cast Bane and they need to make charisma saving throws. All three of all them? All three of them. All right, the creature in the trees uh, is a 16. Oh, well, damn. I'm I'm assuming by that damn that he beat your spell save DC. He beat my spell save DC by one. Uh, the owlbear that's on Carlton is going to roll a five, and the owlbear that's on Shadow is going to roll a 12. So the two of them fail. What does Bane, Bane do? Um, so basically, if you fail, anytime you make an attack roll or a saving throw before the spell ends, then you have to roll a d4 to subtract that number for your attack roll. And then, of course, as a bonus action... As a bonus action, I think I'm going to cast my spiritual weapon. All right, where would you like to put it? Um, right up next to our friend, uh, Mr. Manticore. So the Manticore is 40 feet up in the air, and it's quite a bit of ways. What's the distance you can place spiritual weapon? It's a 60-foot range. 560. All right, so you can put it there. 
and it is there on the ground. It's still 10 feet away from the tree that the creature is in, and then 40 feet up, which I know we've talked about spiritual weapons, sure, can fly, why not? But it is still, you can't quite get it there. Or there are a couple of owl bears that are a little closer. I'm just saying. Where, which one's, which is the owl bear that's in range for me? Is the one next to the bear in range? Because that one's causing the most problems. Let's put it next to the bear. You could put it literally right next to the bear. Let's put it right next to the bear. Sure. And would you like to attack with it? Yes, I would like to attack with it. And I would kind of, it's technically manticores are Egyptian, but plenty of the elder wrote about them, and you know that plenty. Is it weird that I kind of want it to look like a bust of plenty the elder? A little. A little, but <laughs> we'll go with it. I may be calling this episode Pliny the Elder for reasons that nobody will get, but sure, why not? Because, like, okay, have you guys seen that? This is such a... Have you seen that Miss Marple where somebody dies because there's a bus that's pushed on them? Like, if you get a bus dropped on your head, that can uh, that can really fuck, fuck you up. I would say so. Listeners at home, Google Pliny the Elder, P-L-I-N-Y, and enjoy. Meanwhile- I'm also going to look it up. This bust of- Plenty the Elder wrote about fucking everything, guys. Basically a Grecian, a, a very classic Grecian bust, which none of you really understand. But this is one shows painted, up. because this is what they don't tell you, that the marbles weren't white, they painted them. So this one's very accurately painted. Okay. It, it looks like a decently painted marble bust of a gentleman that none of you know, with a nice bushy beard, and uh, it shows up next to this owl bear. Go ahead and roll your attack. 27 is going to hit, right? Yes, correct? 27 is definitely going to hit, yes. Go All ahead right. and do plenty of the elder damage. All right, I'm going to do plenty of the- Oh, I like that <laughs> so much. Damn. It makes it sound like we're doing like a Cthulhu game or nine. something. Do elder damage. I did nine damage to this bear. I just really like it like hitting, just like think about like plenty of the elders bust headbutting you. And then the bear just turns around and it's just like floating there looking incredibly serious. <laughs> Shadow is happy for any help, even if it's a figure he does not understand. Uh, Travancore, it is your turn. All right. Inspired by Pliny the Elder, he <laughs> recasts as his bonus action, bonus action his Hunter's Mark on the owlbear that's in front of Shadow and Pliny. And um, he is going to launch an arrow. 26. That definitely hits. Rad. All right. So first, the regular damage. As fearsome as these guys are, they're also big. And you get the sense they're not that dexterous. So it's going to do 10 piercing damage plus 5 Hunter's Mark damage, so 15 total. All right. Uh, It screeches in pain and it staggers a little bit as wounds are now very prominent on its body, but it is still alive. Well, Shadow might be able to fix that. uh, Shadow's going to use his reaction here and he's going to bite this fellow. Um, I'm guessing a 10 is not going to hit this fellow. I'm sorry, Sadly, I no. should have put it in flanking. That's my bad. I didn't no, even it's, think. I, don't think you, I don't think you have the range for I it. I was trying to think of a really good shape for my thing, and I really truthfully <laughs> was more... You did think of a really good shape, and you could not have put it in flanking, so you, okay. you did All what right. you could. Yeah, that's fine. Um, And with that, I'm done. All right, Jonathan, it's your turn. Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to move kind of... Uh, uh, He's going to move right behind this other cart in between the two carts. He moves in between the two carts, and you now have a little bit better of a view of this creature up in the trees. And he's still- But you f- no longer have a view of the one that's attacking Shadow. That's fine. It, so he's still 40 feet up? Yep. That's good. That's good. All right. Another airburst fireball to get both this owlbear and the manticore. 
All right. So the manticore, well, we'll roll a natural one, so nope. The owl and the owlbear, no. All right. Because even with his dexterity saving throw, so both of them and are going to take full damage. they would have taken minus four. Oh, yeah. Uh, 31 fire damage. All right. That one and... Carlton, the owlbear in front of you is suddenly racked with flame and goes up in smoke and dies. We made that noise okay. again. <laughs> Do it. Jonathan, anything else? Uh, Nope, that's it. All right. It's Bucks' turn. Bucks is going to... All right. Bucks is going to continue. He's going to wing around. He's going to the right, uh, to the east, I guess. And okay. he's going to move his 40 feet. And he's going to continue to look out for anyone else coming from the rear. Perfect. Give me another perception check. Uh, 22. He can't see anything else around. It looks like, I mean, these are three very large creatures. So it would surprise even him if one of these was able to keep out of his, his sight. Okay, that's it. And it's Shadow's turn. All right. Having had a second to take in what these things are. Shadow is irrationally angry and moves into flanking with uh, with Pliny the Elder. Okay. He is still technically um, irrationally angry. He still hasn't recovered from yeah, that effect so of the Crypt Garden. He's going to take over, take out some of that aggression on uh, on the uh, on the Albert with advantage. Avec okay. advantage. Advantage. <laughs> and that's going to be a 21. That'll definitely hit. Rad. I just like to say it's two bears and plenty of the elder in a straight line, and that just tickles me. It's like the sort of a math problem that someone would actually want to solve. Exactly. You have plenty of the elder and two bears in a line. Plen- There's a train heading towards them at 60 miles an hour. <laughs> and that's going to do uh, seven piercing damage. He clomps into the, the back thigh of this owl bear, comes away with a mass of feathers, and the, the, the owl bear screeches in pain. Anything else? That'll be it for uh, for our dear friend Shadow. All right, there's uh, Jonathan. You hear some more noises inside the cart. Carlton, the owlbear next to you is dead. What do you want to do? Um, I got my movement. Go run this way, and I know okay. he's forty feet up still, right? Yep. So you run forty feet towards the tree that this creature is in, which is forty feet up, looking down at you, sneering. So I'm gonna throw a hand axe or two at this guy. Uh, fifteen to hit. Does not hit. It just barely misses kind of his flank as it shifts a little bit to the side. Mm. Axed, but not answered. Second hand X. Uh, that'll miss as well. What'd you roll? An 11. Yeah. It's weird. You're you're kind of having to throw straight up, and that's an awkward angle. Oh, and it no. just shimmies around the tree both times. Come down here. I want to ask you a question. And it sneers at you, and you hear it under its breath say, I don't care to answer anything you have to ask. I just wanted to hear your voice for it. It's, it's my standard monster voice, which is gravelly. It's the one owlbear that is left. It's its turn. It is going to... It's not smart enough to know about what flanking is, but it is going to try to... So it's not going to move. It's just going to try to claw at Shadow, because tiny bear hurt me. Uh, so here comes the beak. Oh, that's not gonna hit even with the d4. Here comes the claws. Wow. All right. It fails miserably even before the bane. I be- I think it's still bane. I I still would like to take credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's super hurt, and as it wheels around at Shadow, Shadow is just definitely able to dodge out of the way. The creature up in the trees is going to. 
um, fly away. It's going to give Carlton a mocking wave with a paw. Bye! Oh, fly away towards our friends. It flies kind of around towards where the owlbear is and continues to be about 40 feet up into the trees. It's going to glare over at Jonathan and whip out its tail at him. Uh-oh. Whips his tail back and forth. Move my tail uh, back and forth. First one will miss. Move my tail back and forth. 23 versus AC for the second one. That will hit. Uh, so that will be four piercing damage as it still only slightly grazes you. And then a natural one. So uh, it makes the mistake of trying to hit you with its tail spikes before it's completely settled onto the tree and manages to only hit you once. And it is done. Bernie, it's your turn. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, okay. So he is how physically close to me? I'm a little confused about, like, the positioning of this uh, manticore. Is he, like, right up next to Jonathan? Like, how is he reaching him? What's his actual distance? He is 40 feet up in the trees and then many feet away from Jonathan, but he is hitting Jonathan and before that Carlton with uh, tail spikes that were being shot out from its tail. Projectiles. Kind of like a ranged attack like Travancore would do, except Uh with his tail. (laughs) (laughs) All right. In that case, Bernie's still going to be like, um, hi, sir. At this point, you actually can't see it because you are on opposite sides of the cart. It can kind of hear you, but you can't see it and it can't see you. Actually, you're not sure if you can see it can see you. In that case, Bernie's going to move kind of like to a space that's like one, two, three, same, same, like across, and just like line with Jonathan the Magic Muscular. Like, hey, would you like to go north, south, east, or west? East. Great. You move east until you are yes, that's uh, it. Just a few spaces behind Jonathan, and now you d- definitely have line of sight on the Manticore. Hi, hello, yes, hi. Um, can I? Ask it's still you settling on the tree. So this isn't one that involves an axe. I mean, it could. I don't have an axe. Are there lady manticores? Do they call it, have a different name than 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 dude manticores? Because I've only ever seen dude manticores, but obviously you reproduce unless you reproduce via asexual reproduction, which would be incredibly interesting given you're not a single-celled organism. And it looks at you, and it is it seems incredibly offended, and it says, "Why do you think I'm a dude?" Are you a dude? Well, you were just assuming you didn't even bother to ask. I don't know. You're called a man to core. And you're called a gnome. And so I don't know what you are. That's gender neutral. Whoa. That's a hot take right there. Hot take. All right. Well, okay. Are you a man to core or a woman to core? You will know as I am crouched over your corpse feeding on your brain. Well, no, I won't, because I'll be dead. That's the point. <laughs> That's really not fair. Okay, Bernie's I don't care. has guiding bolt. <laughs> Question, when I was directly below it, throwing axes at it, what did I notice? <laughs> uh, you were too busy missing to notice anything. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Take. Damn. Damn. Hot take for everybody. It's Saturday night. It's spicy. She must be a Targaryen because she's spitting oh, fire. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah, Bernie's <laughs> Listen, I might be rolling ones, but I... I you're spitting 20s. Man, your I, mouth still a is bard. rolling 20s. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bernie's casting Guiding Bolt on this creature. Bernie's casting Guiding Bolt, yeah. Your it's 120 feet range, so I'm, like, pretty sure that, like... You definitely can hit it. 
Watch me, like, have just, like, yelled at this thing and not be able to hit it again. We'll see. 18! Does 18 hit? Uh, 18 does hit. Okay, 19. Um, She's, as a bonus action, going to roll to um, attack with Plenty the Elder on this owlbear. Does a 16 hit? Uh, Yes, a 16 hits on the owlbear. Nine. Nine damage to the owlbear from Plenty the Elder's headbutt. Sure. All right, Travancore, it's your turn. All right, Travancore is going to put another arrow into this uh, owlbear fellow who is still hunter's marked. Sure. Fifteen. Uh, fifteen does hit on the owlbear. Rad. All right. Once again, giant creature. Nine piercing plus two from the uh, hunter's mark, so eleven total. Yeah, and it, this one is now starting to look very, very hurt. Well, hopefully it's going to look more hurt soon because Shadow's going to bite him again. Okay, as a reaction? Yeah. Twenty-two. Definitely. Rad. That's going to do another six damage. All right. And it, as it gets bit in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jonathan, it's your turn. All right. So first attack would have advantage on this thing, right? As he is a blazing beacon of of whatever. Guiding Bolt gives advantage to the next attack on it, right? Oh, Guiding Bolt. Sorry. I was like... On a hit, blah, blah. Next roll attack made against the target before the enemy race has advantage. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that was me. I was thinking about the hunter's mark. I was like, I don't fucking know that answer. <laughs> All right. Uh, then Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to lose some uh, some scorching rays on it. Uh, okay. Uh, 21. That hits. All right. Second attack. 18. Uh, that also hits. 13. That does not. All right. So, so the he's first gonna, two definitely hit. He's going to take 46 fire damage. Uh, 13 more. You see it loose its grip on the tree a little bit as the two of these three firebolts slam into it, and it, it lets out a, a low growl as it loses about five feet on its, on its tree, but it manages to stop itself, and you, you do hear it breathing heavy, but it is still alive. Hey, Bernie, do you like your manticore uh, uh, well done or, uh, or like medium well? Medium rare actually is pretty good. They're more tender that way. Well, I have bad news for, for you as I've been unleashing fire on it, and I scoot into behind the rightmost wagon right here. And by right here, you mean 15 feet back to the east? Yes. Excellent. What's Buck going to do? He's going to wing over and go back west uh, to fly just behind uh, Travancore there. All right. He continues. And is he still looking out for danger? He is. Give me another perception check for Bucks. It's uh, going to be 21. Yeah, he still doesn't see anything, but it'd be hard to miss anything in these woods. Uh, Shadow, it's your turn. All right. I'm tiring of biting this fellow. He's going to scratch his butt this time. He's going to turn to do a little claw. Sure. Uh, ooh, 23, but that's a natural 20. Ooh. Uh, he's definitely going to hit with the natural Cheers 20. Go ahead and roll lots of damage. Let's here. double that darnage. All right. So that's going to do 12 damage. As Shadow reaches out with a claw and rakes it a claw across the flank of this owl bear, it screeches one more time as it falls to the ground dead. Nice. Pliny the Elder gives Shadow a high five with his face. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and face Shadow, Shadow is smart enough to reach up a claw, so basically like face, claw, gentle, dunk, and you hear like his, his claws tink against the marble. It's a very pleasant sound. Anything else? Shadow hasn't worked out all of his anger issues yet, but he's made good progress, so he's done for now. All right. Uh, more noises in the cart. Carlton, it's your turn. All right. Couple questions. Couple answers. One, do these branches up 40 feet look thick enough to support my weight? Uh, give me a perception check. 22. No. All right, then. 
<laughs> no, no, these are these are like pines and um willows and they're they're northern trees. Most of these branches are pretty thin. You think maybe one or two you could hang off of, but no, not what you want to do. Okay. So I move my forty feet on the ground towards the tree that he's on. Okay. Can I climb the tree? I know it's normally I would have dash to get up there, and normally that's double movement. Can I do a check to not have it be double movement? No, but you could give, if you wanted to try to climb the tree on your dash, I'd let you try with a athletics check. I will do that. Wait, hold on. Did we not just establish the tree can't hold you? It can't hold me cl- going from branch to branch to branch, is what I was asking. Yeah, he he was not going to be able to do uh, Tarzan King of the Jungle or or Monkey Between the Branches, but climbing up the actual trunk of this thing, he could definitely try. Uh, 26. Yeah, you get about 10 feet up the tree. Uh, you with, you with scurry dash, up With the my tree. full dash movement, because that would be another 40 feet total, so only 10 feet of that? You've got to do another 10 feet to the base of the tree, and then you get 10 feet up as it's difficult terrain, essentially, and you're like... And so you get 10 feet up the tree, and you're holding on to it with all of your might. Can you ask him to do another perception check to see if it's a manticore or not? Yeah, can I see if it's a manticore? On your next turn, absolutely. All right, the owlbears are dead. Uh, the creature above you looks down. Oh, wait, down hold on a second. I'm sorry. Oh. I just saw something on my sheet. Natural Explorer. Difficult terrain doesn't slow your group's travel. This is a little different. So combat this doesn't is... count. Just non-combat. Okay. Uh, well, it's, not, it's a climb, is... not difficult terrain. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's difficult because it is difficult to climb a tree. I should oh. have phrased that a little differently. Okay, you are mind. You are 100% correct, though, that when you guys are wandering around, difficult terrain is not going to affect anybody. But in this case, he's climbing a tree. Cheerfully withdrawn. The manticore, watching as the final owlbear goes down, looks down at Carlton and says, <laughs> monkey, and then is going to fly away. <laughs> So with a hundred feet of movement, the manticore, after uh, laughing at Carlton and calling him a monkey, flies away uh, deep into the the forest. And would anybody like to chase after him? No, but I would like to say I scared him off. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Jonathan, you can't see him at the moment. Did I see which direction he took off? Because I'm kind of like looking around the wagon. Uh, I'll let you roll an off-turn perception check. Bernie can do a thing. Bernie wants to do the thing. I don't see shit. Nope. <laughs> nope. You hear him call Carlton a monkey, and that's it. Can Bernie see him? Uh, roll a perception check. As he just flew 100 feet away. 18. Uh, you can barely see him through the trees. He's not flying, like, over the trees. He's weaving in and out. And from where you are, he's a good... He is 160 feet away from you, so you have, he'd basically have, like, half cover on you, but you can barely see What him. does half cover mean for me? No, it would mean uh, you would have disadvantage on the attack. So, yeah, I we gotta let, I think we let it go. Yeah, I scared him it's away, he's you. not coming back. I mean, he'll probably come back, actually, would put money on him coming back, but, I mean. Or her. Or her, yes. Perhaps manticores don't have gender norms. They might come back. Uh, I mean, let's let's see who's in this wagon. Bernie can pick the lock. Okay. Is anybody going to go after this thing, or are you going to let it go? Can I see this fellow? I mean, he's up in the sky. I'm behind the cart, but he's flying, so. You're still on the horse, so you're a little high up. Go ahead and roll a perception check. Well, 
Six, no. so I'm guessing nope. no, no, not no, with a no. natural one. No, no, nope. no, you, no. You saw it fly all. away, and as far as you're concerned, it's been gone for days. Wow, wow. Hey guys, remember that magical <laughs> we saw last week? Bernie started singing. She's like, fly away, little midcore. No, none of you listen to Caroline Chocolate Drop, so what the fuck? No one gets that reference. Nope. Nope, no one gets that reference. All right. It flies off as you all kind of let oh, it go. Hold on. No, be- no. Jonathan yes? the Magic Muscular wants to go after it. Okay. Um, go ahead and roll a perception check. Well, well wait, I, he'd you already like to- rolled a perception check. Right. I, won- did- I rolled one off my turn, but it's now my turn, and I want to move on the other side of this cart towards Carlton and ask him which way it went. Okay. I'll let you do that as your movement one, two, and your action. One, two, three, four, five, six. I can go right there. Do I see it from from the other side can of the cart? Can Bernie point it out to him since she got the highest perception? I will say if Jonathan would like to move to there and spend his action finding out from everybody uh he can ask anybody where it is and then taking the action to see where it went then yes you absolutely can see it i might have another option but it depends on aha all right do i have the vaguest of notions where it is like do i see movement at all without asking or doing a perception check on your turn no jonathan northeast northeast and I'm like, because a with my fireball head. has 150 feet of range and and a 20 foot burst. So I just have to get it close. So I don't see any rustling of trees, any like any tracks or anything. The forest is completely still and he managed to not hit any branches on his way out. So the problem is here, he flew 100 feet away and you didn't see what direction he moved in. And um, you looked around and you failed miserably to see what direction he moved in. You can move around the cart and I'll say as an action, you could do a perception check to see, to hear from your friends where he is and do a perception check to see if you can see him. Well, th- at that point, then it doesn't make a difference because then it becomes his turn again and then he's definitely out of range. Jonathan, hold, because I could see him and I could, I could throw things. I have 120 feet to throw. I just need to get a branch to stable on. Convince me to give you this attack on this turn. I mean, like I, like you said, he's got ton. There are, there are. This is a forest that he is flying through. He is a large creature, and he is hitting every branch as he goes. Unless he is, unless he is making a stealth check, he is he is tearing through the forest. I should be able, like as as an intelligent person, be able to see the rustle of trees and at least have an area where he might be such that I can blast him with a fireball. All right, go ahead and make a perception check. Uh, 19. You have a vague idea, thanks to your friends, what direction he flew off in. If you would like to try to, to make the fireball attack, um, he would have advantage on the saving throw. Okay, because he, he can have it. You don't know exactly where to place this thing. So that's how I will adjudicate this. All right. So you're going to go ahead and launch a fireball. Absolutely. To... All right. He has earned my in- indemnity and I'm going to kick his ass. That's a dexterity saving throw? It is. Uh, that's a 19. He will make it. Okay. And... So you do manage to hit him. Uh, he dodges out of the way, but you do see some of that fur and wing go up in flame. Uh, so that's going to be 24 damage. So if he made the save, 12 damage. All right. You hear and see the crash of a creature 
in the forest about 120 feet away from you as this flaming beast uh, gets singed by your fireball and smashes into a couple of trees, but it seems to be continuing to move. Uh, but don't I go before it in initiative? Uh, no. Okay. You would have been coming up. I mean, if we're staying in initiative, if you guys are going after it, that would have been John. So the next, because right before Jonathan was Travancore and Bernie, who kind of decided not to attack or failed to see it. So if we're going to stay in initiative, then it would be Bucks. What would Bucks like to do? Bucks is going to fly forward his own uh, 120 feet. Okay. Actually, no, he's going to fly 60 feet and try and 60 feet only gets him there. 60 feet gets him pretty much next to you. He was next to Travancore and you guys are fairly far away. All right, he's going to fly another 60 feet straight north and then uh, try and look around to see if uh, to see what he can see. Try to look I... for the down, hopefully the down mandicore. I will let him roll a perception check as a bonus action. Uh, 22. Uh, he can see the flaming mandicore. Yeah, it's pretty far away, but he can see it. He starts going, whoo, whoo, and pointing with his little, with his little <laughs> wing. It's adorable. It is very adorable, especially after listening to the large owl bears. Uh, it's Shadow's turn. Wait, what oh, do those boy. sound like again, Lauren? Oh, they're dead. They sound dead. What would Shadow like to do? Oh, man. Shadow does not have nearly enough movement to get up onto this manticore. Let me see if there's anything he can do in terms of helping us track this fellow. I mean, we already oh, know- tracking is a completely different thing. I mean, if you're going to chase it down and try to kill it, that's one thing. If you want to track it and see where it goes for later, you, both you and Shadow have plenty of options, but that's that's a little more slow and, and cautious. This is, at this point, this is kind of a mad dash through the forest to chase this thing down. Bernie's got All an right, idea well, as to how she can make it come back. Should I delay my turn until you get to do something, Bernie, or what do you think? I mean, she's just going to yell things at it, so I think you do what you want to do. (laughs) That's fine. All right. In that case, Shadow's going to use his full movement to move as close as he can. So 40 feet. He's not going to get him anywhere near. As close as he can to to the Manticore. Okay. So he's going to move and dash? That would would be everything he could do, though. Um, Yes. You know what? Yeah. Why not? Like, 40 feet away would still put him close enough that he can continue to pursue, and then Travancore could eventually catch up. Yep, so he runs. He's still got that anger from the Crypt Garden, and now Prey is getting away, and he's kind of pissed. So, and he was closer, he was further north than Bucks, so he basically gets up as close to this thing as Bucks was, but that's all he can do. Carlton, it's your turn. All right, I'm going to, like, stable, like, kind of, like, you know, it's climbing tree. I'm going to kind of get on a branch that's right there, and I'm going to throw two javelins at their mat, like, because he's still just inside their max range. So they'll be right, disadvantaged. All right, go ahead and roll an athletics check. Okay. Um, let me do the athletics first. Yeah, because this is going to depend on whether you can throw this javelin or not. Uh, 14. Uh, yeah, you find a, a branch that's probably not going to hold your weight for very long, and you're able Doesn't to... Doesn't need to. Ba- well, more importantly, you're able to balance on it well enough to be able to throw the javelin. It will be at disadvantage. So it's a 19 is the low number? Yep, you'll hit it. All right, uh, and that did, it was 15. Yeah, you uh, managed to somehow wing through the trees. It slams into this thing you hear, and then it falls to the ground dead. <laughs> Sweet. Nice. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Uh, in that case, right. what I do is, now that I'm all excited, I 
dropped the javelin I was going to throw on the ground, I grabbed my great axe and I kind of like hook it on the branch as I swing down and use like the like lip of the axe to kind of like swing down off of the branch and do this like cool little flourish thing. All right. Give me a um, acrobatics check. I can do that. Hopefully. Sounds cool. Possibly. Nope, nine. <laughs> oh, God. You um, drop the javelin, hook your axe, and as you go, woohoo, the branch breaks that you hook your axe on, and you fall the uh, 10 feet to the ground. Fortunately, you don't take it. Okay. Nah, you, not, not for that, but you do land flat on your back, and your woohoo is cut off <laughs> in jubilation as the wind is knocked out of you. You take some pride <laughs> damage. It's, it's, you don't take any damage, but it, oh, it hurts. I like stand up real quick. I look around and go, woohoo! Bernie yells, wait, come back. I thought you were going to eat my brains. Gnome's brains, though popular in manticore cuisine, are not often found in the woods next to Waterdeep. Uh, I'm going to go collect my two hand axes next to me. Hey, hey boy, Shadow Boy, you want to go get the stick? Go get me my stick. And I don't know if you will. But Shadow gives you a look, and I'd like you to make a persuasion check. Can um can a Coco Snoot like uh make it a disadvantage persuasion check and give <laughs> Shadow like a like a animal communication to have some fucking dignity? It's an eight. Okay, so you turn to Shadow and ask him to go go do this fetch thing. Uh, Bernie, what exactly? So you want Coco, Coco Snoot, Snoot to do what? Coco Snoot wants to make it a disadvantage for Carlton because. Coco Snoot wants to kind of, like, look over at this bear and, like, be like, have some fucking dignity. Don't go do this for this. <laughs> well, so let me say this. You're riding Coco Snoot and Shadow is, at this point, like, 100 feet away and not in your uh, line of sight. damn. So that would be a little difficult to do. That being said, with the eight that Carlton uh, rolled, especially flat on his back, just barely getting his breath back, Shadow gives Carlton a look. He's still a little feeling that rage from the Crypt Garden, from suffering from the Crypt Garden. And he goes (laughs) and turns around and saunters back to Travancore. All right. Well, I pick up the javelin on the ground and I go fetch my two hand axes that I left at the other tree. All right. You've lost the one hand axe or you've lost the one javelin, that's what I, but I will say that you can- It's all the way out there. And I'm assuming hitting the thing and then it falling out of the sky, even if like Shadow did get to it, it probably snapped. Yeah. That one is completely destroyed. It, it like fell on it and it's this bloody mess. So, all right. You guys have destroyed these beasts. Is there any like- do manticores, are they known for any, like, reagents? Would it be worth our time to harvest a manticore? You're unsure. Roll a nature check. Uh, I believe that's a 19, but let me confirm that. Nature, nature, nature. Yeah, 19. You don't know how to do that, but you have heard of people um, harvesting their tail spikes uh, specifically. They are natural arrows in a way, and people use them. Uh, Hunters will sometimes, if they can get a hold of their paws, because they're prized things to show off, but they don't necessarily have any reagent properties. But the, the tail spikes, definitely, if you knew of a safe way to pluck them from the tail, absolutely. Hmm. I bring it up to the to the group. Hey, does anyone want a manticore paw or tail spikes from the thing? Or are we just going to let it let it sit out there? You hear a voice uh, from the side of the cart where the door is saying, leave it to rot. 
and you look over and you see that the door to the back of the the back cart, the one that had the voices coming from inside, has opened up, and the familiar face of Bronwyn Dunn is peeking out from the cart. She is looking around with a, a disgusted, angry look on her face, and she says, I'm just glad that you were able to kill it. Come inside, come inside. Hi, Bronwyn! Hi, hey, Bronwyn! What's up? Hi. Uh, she's left the door open, but she has ducked back inside the cart. All right. Well, I guess we're leaving that thing to rot. Well, I mean, wait, hold on. She's not in our party. She's not going to stay in this. Well, I kind of want to hear what she has to say, but... Uh, we and can I go don't back know- and get it after she talks. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. We know where it is. It's not, it's not going anywhere. That's for sure. And I want to wear its polygon necklace. Yeah. Oh, of Unless Aslock and Carther is eating the anticores to survive. Oh, yes, absolutely. That's Aslock and Carther shows up. Now I'm imagining him as like a... A uh, a purple pie man, kind of like nefarious guy, always hanging out in the background, like getting ready to just like <laughs> get whatever we leave behind. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's stealing pies off of windowsills, you know, man, eating the occasional manticore. Eating the occasional manticore to survive. All right, yeah, I'm fine with that. We'll go. We'll grab it later. But let's hear what Bronwyn has to say. Okay. All right, you guys uh, come around to the back of the cart, and you're familiar with the inside of this cart. This is the same cart that you guys traveled for a couple of days in the back of, on top of, around, during your travel uh, initially to Amphail. And it's fairly full. It looks cluttered. And you do know that, at least from the orientation of these carts, that it seem to be heading from Waterdeep to Ampfail. So from what you do remember, they make this this trip on a regular basis. However, in the cramped space in the back of the cart, you can see they've laid a gentleman out. And you do recognize this as Selvik, one of the two uh, elven gentlemen who were the basically the, the hired mercenaries slash cart handlers slash elves that kept everything safe. They do the funny hand talking, right? Uh, no, that's actually Tijin, who is there as well. Uh, I mean, both of them did, but the Oh, yeah, Tijin one... and Sarah. Yeah! Uh, well, at the moment, Selvig is laying down on the bottom of the cart, and you can see Tijin has a mass of what looks like very fine silk, or at least it was, except he is currently pressing it to the side of Selvig, and it is now just completely soaked through with blood. Selvig is still breathing and looks up frantically uh, from where he's lying as you guys come around the back of the cart. And he he sees you and then he goes, Ugh, again? What do you Hi. mean again? Hi, buddy. We're and back. And says, you should be a little happier to see them. This is the second time that they've saved us. Uh, you'll have to excuse him. He gets he gets embarrassed when he gets jumped by a manticore. Apparently, we would we would say thank you, but we're a little busy at the moment. You wouldn't happen to have any bandages, would you? I mean, I can just I'm gonna heal everyone anyway. So do you want me to just do that, or do you want to sit here and I can just stick my finger in your wound like they used to do before there was magic and science? Yeah, tell us how we suck more. Tijin gives you a sharp look as though you have just spoken some of the most horrible words that have ever been spoken in earshot and glares at you. Bronwyn sighs and says, no, if you can spare any healing, then I would appreciate it. Yeah, you got that fucking right. So here's the thing that I didn't precisely take note of, and this is kind of fun. 
All my healing spells get to add two plus the spell level to the HP gate. And I haven't been doing it for the entire thing. But when I went back over well, everything, so you guys are going to get a shit ton of health. I'm going to do prayer of healing. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and I think you might get more. More what? Uh, I think you get you get more added to your your health that um, that healing spells add. No, I, get I might more. be wrong. I get so it's too like let's see like I have a special thing. So at sixth level, all healing spells I cast add an additional two plus the spell level to me. Oh, so everybody else okay. at level one gets whatever I give them plus like essentially like if I'm casting a level two healing spell, so two plus two four. I get that plus additional. Like, every time I heal anybody, even if I'm like, oh, you can only heal six creatures, what that means is that if there's a whole bunch of people in our party that need healing, I cannot name myself as one of those creatures, and I will still, again, essentially get a little bit of health back. So I'm going to... I just picture a star with a rainbow going over Bernie's head, the more you know. <laughs> do, do, do. Well, we're all learning stuff. We're all learning things today. And because I have a lot of third level spell slots and it looks like everybody, some of us, some of us really need, really need some health back. Some of us lost mm. quite a bit. Um, one of us fell out of a tree. One of us fell out of a tree. That's not how you lost that health, Carlton. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's going to be 3d8 plus 5 plus 5. Jesus Christ. No, no, Queen Bay. Queen Bay. My my bat. My apologies. And then I'll add like, different the- Half yeah. of the modifier would have healed me up. That's amazing. It's like it's her job Everybody or gets 17 points back, which is good, which Jonathan puts you back up, which- Yep. Sorry, I have to do- I have to add this math in, even if I'm not doing it now. I was just going to say, I'm assuming this includes Selvik. Yes, this includes Selvik. He is very happy to receive- these hit points as he had basically nothing left. You see his breathing absolutely ease, and when Tijin pulls away the mass of now ruined silk covered in his blood, you can see that the gashes along his side from you're not sure if it was the Albears or the or the Manticore, although Bronwyn seemed to think it was the Manticore. The the gashes that were along his side are no longer open and bleeding, but have now closed and are healing. Essentially, but they're still there. It was a it was a nasty, nasty wound. But he is now uh, no longer bleeding out and dying. And Tijin, as much as he was glaring at Bernie's uh, comments from before, his face softens and looks down at Selvig, and you uh, see him waving his finger uh, at Selvig, who then reaches up with a hand and pushes the 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 finger away, and then just pats him across his cheek and says, "I'm fine." I'm fine, I'm fine. I'll be okay. And Bronwyn says, well, I guess I should just hire you because apparently every week now that we come across the long road, we're just going to get completely decimated by horrible beasts and you're going to be coming along to save us anyway, so I might as well hire you. What's your going rate? Oh, you're going to have to talk uh, to our billing department. Hi, collections here. <laughs> <laughs> and she looks over at Jonathan and then she looks back at Bernie and says, Really? You're not? Not? All right. Whatever. No, I'm not the billing department. <sighs> have you never been to a hospital? You have administration that takes care of those things. You think doctors know how to do accounting? Talk about your HMO, your healing management organization. <laughs> oh, gee. Hey, hey, guys, guys, football huddle? Football huddle, real quick? Football All huddle. Right. Maybe Bernie can cast right. silence. So yeah, Bernie's like, <laughs> the three of us are like over like Bernie. She's just in the middle as we're like, all right, 
So like how much? Like 25 gold each a day? Like what's what's the going rate? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, are they heading back to Waterdeep? Yeah. We should ascertain yeah. a few things. We should like make a list of questions. What is Jonathan the Magic Muscular considers what is the going rate for a a caravan guard? Go ahead and roll a history check. As you do this, you see that Bronwyn exits. Now that she sees that um, Selvik is going to be okay, she exits the back of the cart and comes around front and is seems to be looking and whistling out for the horses. Uh, as we make the huddle, Bucks comes down, lands on Jonathan the Magic Muscular's head, and is uh, actually he lands on Jonathan the Magic Muscular's shoulder and sticks his little head into the huddle. Ooh. I got a twenty-three on the history check. You've never been a caravan guard before, so you're unsure. It definitely depends upon the length of travel, the caravan itself that you are guarding, and the road that you're guarding. Certainly safer roads uh, pay less money because there's usually less going on. You are mostly familiar with offering services to a caravan in exchange for travel. So you do know that at least amongst the the major roads leading in and out of some of the large cities like Waterdeep, if they're not hired on as full-time guards for a specific caravan, there are a lot of people who exchange protection and uh, guard duty services for the safety and security of traveling with a caravan. So you're really unsure. You don't think it's very much. You think most of the the people who get hired on full time, it's maybe a couple of gold a trip. An entire trip? Uh, For a trip that's as short as something like, you know, what Bronwyn does from Waterdeep to Amphail and maybe a little bit further north and back, uh, not very much. It's a fairly safe road. She's already got a couple of guards and it's not like it's a caravan of 25, 30 carts. So being hired on usually is a fairly safe thing, especially on a on a road like the long road. They're well-traveled. There's a lot of guards. There's a lot of people. Traveling in large numbers means usually you don't get attacked quite so much. So we have to factor in hazard pay because we've been fighting Metacores uh, yes. galore. <laughs> we, we've run into Bronwyn twice. You know, if this keeps up, she's going to just be bad luck Bronwyn for the rest of the time. What if we're but- bad luck? Wait. I used to do this. (laughs) You do know from what she's mentioned, it seems like the only time she's been, her caravan has been attacked in the last couple of of 10 days has been when you guys are nearby. Hmm. So maybe you are the bad luck. It's sort of like, uh, like when the vision in, in that one play I saw where he says the Avengers strength brings in the conflict that they fight. So it's this like perpetuating cycle that they may or may not be responsible. So we're, we're escalating things. Uh, We might, be and because uh, yeah we we might be drawing this to them so maybe it's not maybe we just ask for a token gold a piece uh well no we gotta then, start like high and then settle low like five gold each a day and then any spoils from anything that we have to protect them from and if they're like oh it's too high then we can be like all right well what are you looking to pay you know we got to negotiate i feel like a gold a piece is already pretty high is already high I can buy some nice little Nomi boot socks with that. Well, then salvage rights we have to Which secure. Which is just regular size people socks. I mean, honestly, like, like we're going the same way. I, I say... You don't know that. Well, we're going to Waterdeep, right? 
They might not yes, be. Yes, but their carts are facing towards Amphail. Ooh. Ooh, you don't want to go to Amphail. That's like yeah, 20 years going, of bad road. I mean, yeah, then, okay, then that's fine. Um, we're I just, mean, you actually haven't asked, so you don't know which way they're going, but the carts, while they don't have any horses, the carts themselves are, the where the horses would be is facing towards Amphail. Okay, they're well, going let's, let's do this north. then. Let's go ahead and fi- figure out where they're going. If they're going to Waterdeep, we'll ask for... We'll just we'll just send we'll just go with them. I mean, so while we're while our heads in the huddle, I poke up my head out of the huddle. Waterdeep or Anfield? Where are you headed? So at this point, Bronwyn has given up on on calling for the horses and has walked back to the door of the cart where she had been obviously conversing with uh, Tijin and Selvik. She looks back as you call out to her, and she says. Well, we were headed to Amphil, but we're going to have to consolidate everything into one cart now. So it's going to take a little bit for us to get going. Did, did you, were you guys going to Amphil again? I thought you just came from there. He one did. second. And then I put my head back in the huddle. Yeah, I think they're on their so own. So headed back to Amphil. Uh, no, I think, I think we, let's do this. Since we're nice people, while uh, Carlton and I go and harvest the, uh, Travancore would probably do this. While Travancore and Carlton go and harvest the, uh, Manticore, I can help consolidate their cart. We'll bid them fare fare thee well, and then and then head back our way. I feel like we're not charging them anything. We're we're helping them out. We've already healed their their hurt. I I think that's fair enough. Yeah, they should be okay from here on out. The, the, the main threat has been neutralized. But uh, yeah, and since they're going the opposite direction from us, they should be fine. QT, let's go uh, look up look us up a Manticore. Cool. I uh, hop on my noble steed, horsey horse face, and I ride towards the Manticore corpse. All right. As you and um, Travancore and Shadow all head north towards where you know this Manticore fell out of the trees. At this point, Bronwyn has backed out of the doors and is still conversing with Selvig and Tijin, who you can see now are exiting the back of this cart. Selvig a little slower, and he's patting his pockets like he's looking for something. And Bronwyn is like, well, that's really our best option at the moment. I mean, I'll definitely pay you back if something goes wrong. And and Selvig is nodding and is saying, no, 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 I got this, I got this, I got this. Uh, Hi, Bronwyn. Well, we're Hi. we're actually going to be going to uh, Waterdeep, so we're not gonna we're not we're not gonna be going your direction. However, I'm more than happy to help you consolidate your cart here, real quick. Uh, if you want to help, it fortunately won't take long. This was the this is the original cart that we bought the second one because we were doing so well, but. Uh, we we only have the one horse now. And she walks over to the first cart and opens it up. And you can see that there's some boxes and, and stuff inside, but it does seem to be much less empty. And she says, if you want to help, I'm not going to say no. It's not. But, you know, I don't have too much to offer you guys. We were in the process of moving stuff to sell. So it's not like I really have that much in the way of payment for you. I was, I was kind of joking about the hiring you. I'd usually... Selvig and Tijin are plenty in order to be able to handle this. I don't know what those things were, except for that manticore. I haven't seen one of those in, in decades. That sounds great. That's really reassuring. I, yeah. Yeah, tell me about it. And she's like, as she's chatting with you, she's pulling stuff out. Uh, Tijin is still kind of, he's trying to help Selvig along, and Selvig keeps waving him away. Like, get no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then finally gets... Tijin to go back and, and help, and they start moving stuff from one cart to the other as Tijin, uh, Selvig is still kind of resting over by the front of their the cart that they were hiding in, and he's still kind of searching pockets. 
Yeah, it's one of the reasons why we wanted to down that thing, because it seemed intelligent and spiteful, and we don't want those things holding a grudge. So it's just better to, to take them out. Oh, yeah, definitely. I don't. The last thing we need is that thing deciding it's going to round up more shit to throw at us and then throw more shit at us. I, we barely were able to escape in the into the cart after we released the horses. Uh, I don't know if the horses survived. Hopefully, hopefully they were able to run away, but they haven't answered my calls. And she gives another whistle again and kind of looks around and doesn't hear anything. Goes back to moving stuff. Yeah, the Jonathan the Metromuscular uh, uh, helps move things. Okay. So while you guys start moving things, Selvig finally finds whatever pocket he was looking for it's kind of in an interior part of his pants they're all dressed in in very ranger-like leathers and you kind of remember that they were very stealthy very capable fighters he's still wearing everything despite the fact that it's like now covered in dried blood with a giant gash on his side he doesn't seem to care finally finds whatever he's looking for in the one pocket pulls it out you see that it's a very small wooden box intricately carved he opens it up and on the inside, he pulls out a wooden horseshoe, small little horseshoe, not a full size horseshoe, uh, also intricately carved. It's got some really nice designs in it. As Jonathan, as you're walking by carrying a couple of, of boxes full of, of what feel like some kind of clothing, it's not very heavy. It's just bulky. Um, you see that it is, it's, it is obviously magical. It's got some glow to it that your, your arcane senses easily pick up. He throws it onto the ground in front of this cart and there's this flash of light and all of a sudden there is a giant horse bigger than even your your the the black chargers that you guys have pawing at the earth it's shock white you almost expect to see a horn this thing almost looks like a unicorn in its size and its majesty um, but it's standing there, seems ready to go. Selvig closes the box, stashes it, gives the horse a couple of good pats, and then starts to slowly but with assurity attach the horse with all of the accoutrement to the cart. Okay, then. All right. As you guys are doing this, Travancore and Carlton and Shadow, you uh, make it to the body of the manticore, which is looking pretty mangled. It fell out of the trees as it died. You can see that Carlton's javelin, it's like skewered on this thing. It caught it in in its back flank and is coming, sticking out the other side up its shoulder. And its front paws are mangled where it looks like it, it had been clawing onto maybe some trees to try to steady itself as it fell, but you do find its body. What would you like to try to do? I'd like to try to retrieve its tail spikes and its rear claws or rear paws. Okay. And Carlton, what would you like to try to do? Take off its front paws. And like, I look at the uh, javelin. I look at Travancore and I'm like, between you and me, did not expect that to hit. Mm, neither did I. <laughs> that was a Hail Mary if there ever was one. <laughs> All right, Travancore, uh, do you want to start with the paws or the tail spikes? I'll do the tail spikes first. All right, give me a nature check. It's going to be an 11. Uh, you go to pull off a spike and it just snaps in your hand halfway. And you're like, huh. And then you try a couple of more and some of them you can't quite get to pull out. You're a little reticent about just yanking in case they, they snap again. Uh, the third or fourth one that still seems to be really 
firmly stuck in there. You give it a bit more of a, a jerk and it snaps and you can see the insides of them are hollow. They're not as, they're not like solid thick as you thought, which is probably why they're prized. Do you think people might be using them as like hollow tipped spears kind of thing or, or hollow darts and, and arrows to be able to deliver poison, but you're not really that successful getting, getting any of them off. Do you want to keep trying? There's still some more spikes or you could go for the pause. I'll try for the pause. Okay. Go ahead and roll a nature check. Huh. Nine. No, no, no luck there. You go for one of the back right paws and you pull out your hunting knife and go to start slicing. And you're just not slicing in the right way. And like the skin is slothing off and it's, it's a jagged cut. And then you accidentally slip a little bit and half the paw just kind of shreds in your hands. Carlton, you wanted to go for the front paws. They're a little bit more mangled, but go ahead and uh, give me a nature check. Sure. See how the dice... Uh, an 11? Uh, yeah, you kind of have the same problem as Travancore. You see that he's having problems with this hunting knife, so you pull out your axe and you're like, I'm just going to chop just the full paw off and I'll deal with all the detritus later. Except you chop and you kind of miss and you get like this angled chop. And so you kind of got the top half of a paw and then a couple of the claws fall off and then the bottom half of a paw. It's it's a little a little disturbing. All right. And, there's, uh, and you think this might be a little more difficult than you had imagined. Is it, was that both paws or just the one paw, front paw? That's just one of the front paws. Right, I'm, uh, I'll try to take a little more care with the, the, the second paw. All right. Both of you, if you'd like to try for one more paw, you both have one more paw to try. <laughs> I fuck it up uh, even worse. Wow. What did you roll, Carlton? <laughs> Seven. Yeah, you accidentally step on the remains of the first paw you went after, and it makes you slip and... You're trying to cut it off at the wrist, and you end up cutting it lengthwise and just split the paw. Now both paws, front paws, are just destroyed. Uh, Travancore? Um, I'll try the last paw. Well. Yeah! Everybody drink! <laughs> drink! What'd you roll? A natural- That's a natural 23, 20. but it is a natural 20. Watching Carlton's mistakes, learning from your own, you sharpen the knife a little bit more. You go a little bit higher on the the back paw, uh, just kind of above the wrist, and you're able to nice and cleanly slice through. Once you pull it off, you're able to drain it uh, successfully and spend a couple of minutes letting it dry so that you you now have the back paw of a manticore. Uh, Hey, buddy, you think there's any value in these teeth? I'd have to do some nature check to figure that out, I think. Well, we could do, figure that out later. I mean, while we're here, we could, do we do we want teeth? Look, look, try and take them. Yeah. All right, I'll try bottom draw. You try top draw? Sounds good. All right, so I'll take one nature check nope. for teeth. <laughs> I just from chopped eth- off the lower half of his jaw. What'd you roll? A four. Hey, Travancore, would you like the bottom jaw or the top jaw? And he grabs the mouth and pulls. And I he thinks that he's like going to pull off the bottom jaw and then pull the teeth out. But instead, you just hear... <laughs> and you realize the teeth were not quite as strong as you thought. And Travancore, before you can even get at the teeth, he just like demolishes the mouth. It just oh. falls to pieces. There are broken teeth everywhere. It's a mess. So, Travancore, he yeah. landed on his face, right? That's what we tell the others. And that the teeth were destroyed. Right? That's what I assumed we would tell them. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened. Sure, buddy. I'll take one more attempt at the uh, the tail spikes. Sure, there's still a couple of tail spikes left you can go after. I am not touching this thing anymore. <laughs> yeah, we're- and the, the mangling of the Manticore continues- Jesus Christ! 
<laughs> You're just disrespecting the corpse now. I rolled a six, but you know what? That guy in was kind of a jerk. I- I'm kind of tempted. You guys are covered in all kinds of nasty crap because of this. Yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> tempted to take the corpse back to you so you can cast, like, speak to the dead or whatever and just see no, how many things of what we've done do to him. No, I'm not going to do that. He's no. going to drag the corpse through the woods on the ground back to me. I believe a portmanteau is appropriate in this case. Manti corpse. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. No, I think we should I think we should just leave this horror. Oh no. Yeah. I did the thing. <laughs> I'm in As trouble. you kind of ruefully agree, uh, shadow behind you, kind of both of you <laughs> chuckling under your breath at the the destruction of the front of this manticore. You go for the tail spikes and you grab two in your hands and you're like I'm I'm just going to wishbone this thing and try to get one of them. <laughs> And the, not only do they break apart, but when the tail then falls back to the ground with a thud, a whole bunch more spikes just, and you realize that no, this was a lot more, this was a lot more delicate of an operation than you thought. And maybe, maybe, yeah, it fell on its face. When we think of Carlton, we think delicate operation. But you did, you did get away with one perfectly preserved back claw of a manticore. <laughs> Well, totally worth the effort. Not a total loss, buddy. <laughs> oh, totally yeah. worth the effort. All right, let's, All right. let's All right. pack this shit up. As you guys uh, make the trip back to everybody, it only takes a few minutes, Jonathan, especially with your help, to move everything from one cart to the other. Selvik is able to get the this magical horse hooked up to the cart that seems to be perfectly happy to take the reins and and seems to definitely be big enough to pull this entire cart even though it must be huge you know that she uh, Bronwyn had a team of four horses the last time you met her but this one horse seems perfectly capable of doing that they are finishing up and Bronwyn is making sure everything is packed and in the cart Tijin comes up to Selvig and gives him a very gentle elbow in his side and then waves his fingers at Selvig and Selvig goes no, that's ridiculous. That's why would they be interested in that? And he waves his fingers at him, and Selvik goes, "No, that's not any kind of reward. You're just that's just more trouble. That's all you're offering unto them." And at this point, Carlton and Travancore, you guys are exiting the woods, covered in Manticore blood, Shadow <laughs> trotting behind you, um, upwind. Tijin looks over. And points to Travancore and then waves his fingers at Selvig again. And Selvig goes, well, all right, fine, if you really want. And uh, as you guys all gather around, Selvig said, so we don't really have a lot of gold to offer. uh, But my, my brother thinks that you should have something. But I think it's a bad idea. I'm just going to say, I think it's a bad idea. But we've got some information that you might be interested in, and he looks specifically at Travancore. Oh, friend, we are full of bad ideas. <laughs> and Bronwyn chuckles and says, that's what the world is made of, bad ideas. Selvig continues and says, so my brother and I have some contacts in some of the, let's say, the less respectable portions of Waterdeep, and they recently have kind of been in an uproar because of some recent ill-gotten goods. Uh, one specific bow that got offered to us to buy that 
looked really nice, but frankly, it was way out of our price range. And Selvig gives Bronwyn a look, and Bronwyn says, don't, don't look at me. I wasn't going to give you that many gold pieces. And Selvig looks back at Travancore and says, does Isselgall mean anything to you? And Travancore, you, in- you immediately recognize the language of your homeland. And you immediately recognize this as uh, the words music strung. Huh. Hmm. It does, I answer. Just very simply, very plainly, flatly. Mm. It does. All right. Well, it wasn't any kind of elvish that I recognized, but the the drow that apparently was selling this stuff said that it was of the highest of elvish make and I mean it looked like a really nice bow so I don't know if you'd at all be interested in it it's it's still hanging around water deep apparently they're having a hard time unloading it probably because they're offering way too much money for it and and he looks over at Tijin and says and probably because anytime the thieves guild gets involved in anything it's a bad idea and Tijin looks at you Travancore and he looks really sad. And he doesn't try to say anything. He doesn't try to wave his fingers or or do anything. But he, he just gives you a very sad look. Selvig says, so, I mean, I'll, I've got a couple gold to throw your way. That's, that's really it. But you know, my brother thinks that you really needed to know about this oh, thing. Oh, shit. I defo thought they were lovers. I'm sorry. No, they're brothers. They're brothers. These are, they're not, no. In my head, they were so caring for one another because they'd been together for years. They have. You're, you're 100% right about all of that, except for the, that they they love each other because they're related, not because they are lovers lovers. Just like Tegan and Sarah. Anyway, Selvig reaches into his pocket and pulls out a coin purse and holds out uh, eight gold and says, this is all we got. I don't know if Bronwyn can offer anything else, but, you know, for your for your troubles, at least for for the healing. Thank you. And he holds Bernie it out takes to Bernie. It and she goes, so Bronwyn's your brother? Oh, no, Tijin. Tijin's your brother? It's my brother. Huh. And Tijin nods. Do they look alike? Did Bernie miss all of this? They they look, well, they're both half elves uh, and they kind of look alike. But you didn't really like associate with them too much last time yeah and i just say i just tuck the i tuck the gold into my pillowcase where i hold all the things i've stolen and i say hi you learn something new every day and bronwyn comes around and says tell me where you're gonna be in in Waterdeep, and if you're gonna be there for more than 10 days i'll look you up and once we once we sell this stuff in amphale i'll make sure that we we give you something more than that two questions for you brothers one these people that sell the bow, do they also procure blades? Because I'm looking to upgrade. Uh, Selvig, so Tijin nods, and then Selvig gives him a very stern look and says, listen, these people are the Thieves Guild of Waterdeep, and it's going to be hard enough for you guys to find anybody to, to buy stuff, being a bunch of god pawns like you are. And Tijin elbows Selvig hard, in the side that has been raked by a claw. And he winces and he says, mercenaries, fate changed, whatever you want to call yourselves. It's fine. Uh, yeah. We like heralds. We like heralds. 
Yeah, heralds. Yeah, sure. Uh, really powerful people. You might be really powerful, but this is a thieves guild. You gotta be really careful with these people. This is why I didn't want to tell you about about them. They they can procure all sorts of stuff, all sorts of really powerful things. Your best bet, go go find like an actual armorer or a smithy, or go talk to the watchful order or something like that. You might get a good deal, but it's not worth being associated with these people. Trust me. And he looks meaningfully over at Tijin and the giant uh, healed wound across his throat. Oh, damn. And so, which you, you noticed before. Like, you've noticed that he's had this scar but across did his throat. We, well, now but we have did some context we, because for it. <laughs> Bernie's head, they were dating. So obviously she's not noticed. Well, let me put it this way. The last time you traveled with them, you guys didn't ask too many questions. So he, he gives this scar a meaningful look and says, trust me, it's not worth it. I look Tijin right in the eye and I say, thank you for telling me. And Tijin nods at you. Roll me an insight check. Oh my God, let's just go. <laughs> we have the information. Let's roll. Ten. You could swear that it's not a nod, that it's a little bit of a bow. Huh. And second question is before we send you on your way. Where, where the fuck did that thing come from? And I point to the big ass white horse. I'll explain on the way. Selvig, hearing that, says, apparently he knows. I don't know what he knows, but apparently he knows. I've, I've had that thing for forever. It's the first time I've had a chance to really use it. Hopefully I'll get a chance again. And Bronwyn says, all right, well, these... Ladies and gentlemen seem to be in a hurry, so we're going to get going. We've, we've got some ground to keep up on. Uh, hey, if you want a cart, that cart's yours. All right, gentlemen, we're back down to one cart. Let's, let's, let's take up our positions. And she gets onto the front of the cart, and Selvig joins her a little, a little slower, but joins her kind of in the front of the cart. Tijin gives you all kind of a, a nod as a thank you, and then definitely climbs up to the top of the cart as... He had before and sits down on the top of the cart, kind of holding himself in. And this giant horse that for the two of you that that cast spells on a regular basis and even Travancore, a bit of you, you can clearly see is of very magical origin, seems to have zero problem pulling this huge sturdy chest of a cart as they roll their way down. Bronwyn gives you a wave and says, I'll look you up the next time we're in Waterdeep. I'll be at the Mages College. All right. Okay. So Jonathan, the Magic Muscular, wanted us to wait until they were le left because he was going to jack that cart anyway. But since it's ours, one way or the other, let's hook up uh, peanut butter and Bojack Horse Horse up to it and uh, I can drive it. Peanut butter is okay with this. Sure. You will need four horses. Well, good thing we have even four with horses. the cart. Good yeah, even with the cart empty, you do remember that there was a team of four black chargers. Which I mean, you've got four, so yeah, I'll saddle up uh, horses and horses. Plus, uh, Jonathan the Magic Muscular, since he actually took a background last time, he has animal handling and a uh, proficiency with a vehicle, a land vehicle, aka a cart. Oh, Jonathan got his driver's license. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> wow. He's 16. Do you know how to parallel park with a cart? Let's find out. Uh, <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, it doesn't take animal handling. Uh, these are well-trained horses. And you guys, uh, because you are proficient with land vehicles, you know how to hook up 
the horses. The horses that were hooked up to this cart were obviously released from their halters. So the halters are still sitting there to be used. And it only takes about 30 minutes to get all four of them hooked up to the front of this cart. Turn the cart around, I'm assuming, because you're heading towards Waterdeep? Oh, yes. All right. And you now, when you look inside, you see that, I mean, Jonathan, you would know this. The cart has been cleared. It is a, uh, the kind of caravan cart that would be used for transporting goods. It's not like a sleeper cart, but it was built to Bronwyn specifications, which means it's a, a very solidly built cart. It only has windows on one side that can be closed with a slat which is currently closed and a very solid locked door and otherwise on the inside is just this big empty space there's not even really like a bench to sit on bernie last time you guys were doing the caravan thing you continued to ride along with coco snoot so unless jonathan would like to go hot rodding in his new cart you think you could still keep up with even the four horses what would the rest of you like to do I'll set up my hammock kind of, like, across the width of the uh, cart, so that way we either have a bed that one person can nap in, or, like, a seat that two people can try to sit in. How does your hammock connect to both sides? I was hoping you wouldn't ask that. Uh, I, yeah. I, as I've described this cart, the interior is basically being, like, the interior of a chest that they would with have, no... Like, hooks and stuff that they would, like, secure the goods in, like, with rope that they would tie around. Do they not? No, this seems to be just a large box. Sounds like an upgrade we can make when we get to Waterdeep. I yeah, want uh, I want Travancore on shotgun if he's willing. That's fine. All right, Travancore climbs up into shotgun. You do know that Shadow, same as Coco Snoot, unless you guys go hot rodding, can keep up with these horses, no problem. Okay. Bernie says, hey, Jonathan, Anybody remember the last have a time we were in the pack? forest in a cart and you decided you were going to burn the whole woods down? Let's not do that this time. Oh, well, I'm going to be driving this time, so I don't think that's uh, that's going to be a problem. And as I say that, I clutch the pearl and recover a uh, third level spell. I poke my head up. Anybody got pittens? I'm sorry, what? I was asking, I was poking my head up out of the cart. Anybody got pittens or pitons? Pit- oh, he can? I, actually, I think I do, actually. Are you going to fuck up our cart? I'm not going to put two nails in to hang up a hammock. Yes, you are. I have ten what? Pitians or pecans? whatever they're called. Pitons. Why do we pecans. have pecans? Pitons. Why do we why are you <laughs> pecans? They're in our Dungeoneers they're they're standard equipment fair for a Dungeoneers Wait, pack. Wait, you get a bag of nuts in your Dungeoneers pack? No, Absolutely. pitons. Pitons. They have walnuts oh. and pecans. <laughs> Absolutely. Huh? It's a bag of mixed nuts. Didn't you get that with your Dungeoneers pack? A bag hold of mixed on, nuts? I mean you have dried on. goods, Let right? Yeah. I do, but I also Do you have a Dungeoneers a sh- pack? I've got I, the have a, I have a special, like, religion-based pack. You don't get mixed nuts in a religion-based pack because some people You'll are have to allergic check. to nuts. I looked. You don't get mixed nuts in the religion-based pack. In the religion-based pack, you get a basic water into wine beginner starter kit. Yes. Well, uh, tra- you would actually be familiar with these pitons uh, because this is not the first time that Travancore has used them. But yes, you do have a bunch. And if you would like to hand them off to Carlton, uh, Carlton, I would need a strength check to drive them into the sides of the cart. Oh, my God. Okay. You're going to fuck up our cart. Bernie's just looking for some almonds now. A soft 20. Okay, you drive one of them in solidly. You manage to put it, push it in just enough that you think it's going to be a nice solid hold, but not so hard that it either cracks the side of this cart or drives all the way through. Uh, give me another one for the other side. A 16. This one, you're you're a little 
too happy with and it's solidly in there you know it's gonna hold your hammock because it's sticking out the other side <laughs> works for me guys yep. we now have a, a seat and or bed in the back we also have a fucked up cart let's go proud of you bud bernie's on coco snoots time to go all right, you guys continue on. It's another rest of the day, seemingly without any problems. That evening, I need you all to roll some constitution saving throws for those of you who are still suffering effects from the Crypt Garden Forest. Well, right, I am, I've been cured. Yes, I believe it is just Travancore and Shadow. Okay, I'll roll Travancore first. I am like super relaxed, like just chilling in this hammock this entire ride, being swayed to bed. Well... I have a question about beast defense. So is that just a combat thing, or does Shadow have that like all the time? I'm I'm sorry. What do you what does Shadow have? Uh, beast defense. So when Shadow can see Travancore, advantage in all saving throws. You know, I think that's a combat thing, but I will say that unless it's does it actually say that it's a combat thing, or does it just say when Shadow can see Travancore? Let me just double check. Because I'll I'll say unless it says in combat, I I will let that be true all the time. Beast defense. Here it is. At 7th level, while your companion can see you, it has advantage on all saving throws. Doesn't specify whether it's combat or not. Then I will give him advantage. I'm assuming uh, he can see you yeah. as you bed down for the night. So yeah, go ahead and both of you roll some constitution <laughs> saving throws. <laughs> not that it mattered for Shadow. Oh my gosh. So Travancore rolled a 21. Uh, Shadow's high roll was 7. Alright, Bernie's got one more spell slot she can burn, and she's just gonna do the thing where she takes away his stuff. Okay, yeah, so Travancore, you definitely roll high enough. Um, you fall asleep that night, and it has now been long enough that when you wake up the next morning, your feet are no longer curled in on themselves, and you feel healthy, and you no longer have that negative. Shadow still feels anxious and angry. Um, no, Bernie, so Bernie did that before bed. Oh, you're going to do that before bed? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he still feels anxious and angry. And then as he's trying to bed down, you come over and cast Lesser Restoration or... or... Yeah. Okay. She does her classic boop on the nose and he immediately relaxes, calms down, gives you a gentle little lick on your hand, curls up next to Travancore and has the first decent night's sleep he's had in a while. You guys have an, an easy sleep, get up the next morning, and late in the day, on the 21st of Uktar, as you round the bend of the long road, resplendent in your empty cart, your four horses pulling you forward as you all saddle your way up into the front gates of Waterdeep, we'll end it there. Ooh. And you guys have made it back to Waterdeep. And I'll say... Before I give you guys experience for the game that you decide to take a little bit of a vacation, Travancore and Shadow spend a few days out in the woods <laughs> communing with nature, while the rest of you go to a pie competition that happens in the city of Waterdeep as a prelude to the Feast of the Moon. And you spend three full fun days in Waterdeep. Travancore, you and your bear, three very nice, relaxing, calm days out in the woods outside, uh, just outside of Waterdeep, where you know it's still within the safety of the guards. And you have a very interesting encounter with a pie monster. You save one of the, um, the lords of Waterdeep, and you are promised that if you go by a certain pie shop, which happens to also be a magic shop, that there might be some... Uh, some special thing waiting for you. So uh, next time we get together, it will be officially the 24th of Uktar. It will be only, uh, it'll be less than a 10 day until the Feast of the Moon. And you guys can decide what you are going to be doing in Waterdeep. We've achieved canon!
You achieved canon. We see, I told you the thing that happened would eventually happen. It's now just happened. So let me give you some experience and then we will end for the evening. So the fight gets you and I'll give you a total at the end of this. The fight with the owlbears and the manticore got you a total of um, 2,800 experience. I'm giving you some extra experience for healing Selvig. I'm also giving you some extra experience for deciding to take the cart with you because I found that funny. So you get a total of 4,310 experience to split between the lot of you. All right. And next time, you Travancore will be coming back into Waterdeep and you guys will have finished with the pie festival and doing some relaxing. And I know there were many, many things y'all wanted to do in Waterdeep. So we'll, we'll get to those next time. Shopping montage. It's a shopping montage. Thanks for listening to our adventure. Follow us on Twitter at Dungeon Drunks or find us online at www.dungeondrunks.com and see you next encounter. <laughs>